All right, we're back with episode 20, the big 2-0 of the Clinch Perfect podcast. Um, ben, and as always, joined by Tom. How have you been, mate? I'm great, thanks, man. I'm great. I, it's kind of crazy that we've made it so far. I'm actually, I'm actually quite proud of us that we've 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 kept going, <laughs> especially how little we gave a shit at the start. Yeah, it was like a <laughs> like a once a month thing for the first couple of months. Yeah, it's kind of like our passion project now. Like we've survived COVID, we've we've been through like jobs <laughs> and everything. <laughs> we come out the other side. So yeah, it's it's really cool. And to when we going. lose our jobs and we got nothing left, this is all we'll have. So <laughs> <We're penniless>. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're listening to this, you know you get a hundred percent commitment because it's all we care about at this point. <laughs> What have you been up to, mate, anyway? Yeah, this is... Oh, well, I've just literally finished interviewing Chuck Liddell, which was a great little chat. I've done, cool. actually done, I've done some mad interviews this week. Spoke to Anderson Silva again, which is crazy. Just absolute honor to get even a second of his time, and he ends up giving me his GOAT list. Shocker, McGregor isn't on it. Um, go check <laughs> that out on Gibby Sport. What else? What? Social-wise, what have I been doing? I played a bit of cricket, which is surprising. Like I actually went out in the sun. Um, also realized how badly COVID has completely killed my cardio because I can barely run five meters. <laughs> you got tired like... playing cricket. Fucking hell, that yeah. is mad. Yeah, I know. I feel like, you know, like those geriatrics <laughs> sit on the, on the side and score. That was literally me. And I was Pe- just sat people there. try to get me to play cricket because I'm tall and I have long arms. They're like, oh, if you were, and I'm left-handed as well. So they're like, oh, if you were bowling at them, they'd be terrified. And um, <laughs> that's what my dad says anyway. And I just, yeah, I just have lost, no like... interest in it at all. I just realized we've lost like all three of our American listeners. <laughs> just switched off. <laughs> they've already turned off. Yeah, they've already turned off. I've what had a pretty good week as well. Um, my uh, my parents have tasked me with uh, with taking care of my 15-year-old brother for the week because they've uh, gone to visit grandparents. And um, I mean, I say, you know, babysitting, it's not much work. He just plays Xbox and watches Netflix like every 15-year-old kid. But I've been uh, taking him through my childhood a bit and making him watch the uh, the TV shows and the movies that were good. And, uh, you know, iconic when I was 15. So uh, we watched a bit of South Park, um, watched a bit of Family Guy. We watched Step Brothers last night, which is, of course, hilarious. And um, we're on to Anchorman tonight. And I think we're going to do a bit of Jackass as well. Oh, my God, you're literally throwing him at the deep end. Throwing so, him at the deep end, mate. It's quite funny you say that because, I mean, that, that, that segues us on nicely. Long story, me and Ben were laughing about the word segue for a full five minutes before we started recording. Um, I just can't believe it's actually spelled like that. And I'm sure someone is listening to this now, Googling how segue is spelled. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that either. So I'm not the only one. (laughs) There you go. You get an education on this podcast as well. Uh, Speaking of education, or or rather lack of education, um, we got some news, haven't we? Or or, or a story that broke that we, we, we couldn't resist telling you. Do you want to kick us off? Well, I saw it this week and I just want to, I want to know what's your number because I saw that um, apparently for the new Jackass movie, for Jackass 4, Francis Ngannou has punched one of the cast members in the balls. And after doing so, the production team weren't happy with how hard he punched him because they thought he was taking it easy on him and asked him to do it again. So I don't know who it was. I didn't read the full story, so I don't know which cast member it was, but someone in Jackass 4 got punched twice in the balls by Francis Ngannou. And I want to know what, what is your number? How much would I, would I have to pay you? cash on the table right now for that to happen at least two million dollars two million yeah and that, that that's so i can get like a, a well surgery on on the damaged testicle yeah two million <laughs> that, that, that what about you I, i'd say two million i'd take two million i think i'd you? do it for a milli i think a milli would be enough <laughs> a milli Just... for a nutshot from ring <laughs> 
That's that's after tax though. There's no there's gotta be no tax on that million. I've got to be a millionaire after <laughs> taking that only, shot. Cash only. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um had some good fights this weekend. Um it's always the cards that kind of go under the radar, isn't it? That surprise everyone and, and are really good. There was a lot of finishes on this one. Um obviously main event, everyone's just freaking out about the second coming of Habib. Um, which by the way, I think is a little bit of a lazy narrative because Mahakchev is um is it's almost a bit more like efficient than Habib. Like he's more technical and Habib was just more smash your fucking face in. Yeah, Habib's way more of a cardio machine, I think. Yeah. I, I, I think you've... Re- you've relentless, I suppose, is the best word. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and also, I think it does... It, it's a bit like the lazy, like, Ian Gary, Conor McGregor comparisons, which I am guilty of, of course. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think they're just... I actually think they're quite different fighters. Like, Makachev knows he hits hard and is, isn't afraid to use his striking. Like That's what we saw against... Um, Moises in terms of the, the output at least like whatever it was 148 strikes to, to 18 is kind mm. of insane numbers and I, I, I think he kind of just showed that he's, he's kind of as you say a bit more technical a bit more reserved but when he puts the gas on and gets going he's really really hard to stop and I think unfortunately for Moises he looked a little bit out of his depth in terms of the wrestling but I think as you say it was just the unrelenting pressure that ultimately led to to the end of the fight because I, don't, I just don't think he could physically keep up. I think he was a little bit surprised by how good Islam's striking was, to be honest. I think maybe Moises thought, well, I've got my BJJ to fall back on if he if he takes me down. But, um, you know, on the feet, I've probably got the advantage. But then once I saw Moises try, kind of accepting the clinch and going for clinch positions himself, I was like, oh, God. It's like the, <laughs> the Nate Diaz thing. That, oh, so you're a wrestler now. Um, like, I know Moises has, um, has slick jiu-jitsu, but... He definitely, you know, I'm sure it wasn't his game plan to go in there and wrestle with with Islam, and that's what ended up happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, amazingly well-rounded performance. He's moved all the way up to five in the rankings, which is a pretty crazy, but I think he was 11 before. And um, there's obviously been a lot of chat about who's going to fight next. There was rumors of it being Tony Ferguson, which I think would have been a pretty brutal, um, you know, 15 minutes for Tony or 25 minutes, however long it would be. But um, it's looking like uh, RDA now, Dos Anjos. Which I think stylistically sets him up quite nicely for a title shot. Like RDA, he's pretty well. He's got great wrestling, great jitsu, and I mean the striking isn't great, but he he does pretty well on the stand up, right? So, and if you think about like the likes of Poirier and, and Oliveira, they're obviously really well rounded fighters. I think the, the trouble with Moises, although he's well rounded, he wasn't well rounded in the sense that his skill set was so high. I think someone like an RDA is the perfect litmus test for how far Makachev can actually go. Like I, I, I'm. I'm of the opinion that I don't think he's the second coming of Habib. I think he's something different. I think he's like a new, I think he's kind of like the hybrid between what Habib and Abdel Manap have built over in Dagestan yeah. and what, uh, what Cormier and Javier Mendes have built at AKA. I feel like he's like the perfect mesh. Like mm-hmm. you've seen it with like Umar Magomedov and, and, and Said and whatever. Like they've all got that wrestling base, but again, they're not let, afraid to let their hands go. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm quite curious to see how high he can go, like the ceiling. I, I feel like it, if he gets a big name, he could propel himself into like the, as you say, like the the Poirier, Oliveira kind of level. I, I really don't think he's too far away from a title shot. And I also don't think he's too far away from becoming champion. I do think he is good enough. Um, but it's just such a stacked division. That's the trouble. Like I was thinking about the matchups in my head. You've got the guys like Gaethje sitting on sidelines. Chandler is obviously also coming off a loss, wants to get back in there. 
like well the two of them have been going at it on uh on twitter chandler said something this week about i don't know whether he actually said gaichi was ducking him but maybe just implied it I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me but um gaichi went on twitter and basically you know said shut the fuck up that's a lot of bullshit like i agreed to fight you you didn't want it and um yeah, I think he referred um, people in his replies were referring to the uh, the line from Tony Ferguson about Dana White privilege for uh, for Chandler getting that title shot, and uh, yeah, so those two are kind of drawn at each other and both implying the other one is ducking them. Um, so hopefully that's a fight we get to see because um, who uh, who wouldn't want to see Gaethje sleep Chandler? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Chandler as well, but um, I think Gaethje would win that fight quite comfortably if I'm honest. Um, Come in event, Misha Tate is back. And everyone's freaking out about how good it was. I don't want to burst the bubble, but I didn't think it was that amazing. I just thought it was like, that's how, that's the level Misha Tate was at and is at. And you would expect her to win that fight. And she did. I don't think it was like, oh my God, she's a new and improved version of herself. Like, I, I feel like the reaction's been a little bit over the top. I'm not going to lie. I really agree with everything you've just said. I, I, I think oh, for me, first. I know, I know what is happening. I, I think for me, it's just, Marion Renault offered very little on paper. She also offered very little in the octagon. Like she, there was basically no attacking output whatsoever. She just kind of tried to deal with whatever Tate was throwing at her. And I, I think if Tate wants to get back into the title picture, she needs like two or three more fights before she even thinks about getting back in there with Nunes. Because beating a Marion Renault is great, but it's not a Holly Holm. It's not Raquel Pennington. It's not a Tisha Torres. Like there's so many like stylistic matchups for her that I don't know why I mentioned Tisha Torres but there's, there's so many <laughs> I other fights out there it up, but I thought I'll yeah. just like I was just watching your face I thought I'll just let you come to the realization of what you I don't just know said. why I mentioned but there's, <laughs> there's so many other there's so many other matchups for her that will push her or stop her from getting into the charge contention I, I think yeah. she's a long way off but she's called out home and Pennington since since she won I think she called out home on the night and then has since called out Pennington so you know God knows what she actually wants but um I think Pennington's probably the right matchup. Holly would probably kill her, not going to lie. Um, she was getting pretty much dominated in that fight before she got the, uh, was it submission win? I can't remember. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah really? but she, I mean, yeah, she won the fight. Okay. But, um, you know, it clearly wasn't a great matchup for her. And I don't think it would go any better this time. In fact, I think it would go worse because I don't think she would get the, uh, get the late submission. So um, Pennington, probably the smarter call out. Yeah. I mean, I was m- maybe thinking like, Maybe, I mean, maybe the winner of Aston Mad Kiersen at some point. Maybe it's a bit too much of a jump, but I mean, uh, well, I mean, I mean if Aspen Lad wins this weekend, then yeah, that's that's definitely a, a matchup you can make because she'd be what 10 and one, and there was a lot of hype around her before she got um, that. I guess you could say somewhat controversial knockout loss. She disputed it, it wasn't actually that controversial, but um, yeah, I, I think you can make that one. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because at one stage, you kind of thought they were going to do away with the whole division, and now they've kind of got like a I wouldn't say it's stacked, but I'd say there are fighters in there who are making it at least competitive or a bit more competitive. And interesting, than... more important. Well, I, I say competitive. It's not competitive because you've got like Nunes and then the rest. It's right? competitive like, who the, gets to no fight t- Nunes. That's what you meant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's competitive until you get in the cage with the lioness. But still, um, yeah, it was great to see her back though. It was, very, it was quite vintage, Tate. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Like, it may not have been as amazing as everyone was billing it, but yeah, it was a good performance. Yeah. I think the, the notable sort of improvement was more 
in her like physique. Like she's always been in great shape. She's always been one of the more ripped female mixed martial artists, but she looked absolutely insanely ripped at the weigh-ins and on fight night. So um, she's clearly been, uh, you know, valuing her fitness and nutrition while she's been away. And um, yeah, well, uh, we'll move on to the, uh, the lightweight Mateus Gamrot, one of the, another up and coming lightweight in this sort of new batch that we've got emerging fighting uh, Jeremy Stevens. Is it time for Jeremy Stevens to get cut? I think he's, Five and or zero and five, and his his last six as a no contest in there, so zero and five and one no contest. I hate to say it because I never advocate someone getting cut unless they've been caught for doing PEDs. But what what is he offering? I mean, he's a meme at this point. Like he's the guy who was on the receiving end of one of the greatest lines in UFC history. But other than that, he hasn't really done a lot else. Like, I mean, yeah, he's had some great fights. Um, but is it, you kind of remember Jeremy Stevens for like the Aldo finish or the fight with the Ira Drew. Like, there's really anything that stands out in terms of like. It's kind of always been almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's the problem with this Gamrot fight. Like, he had the chance to stop a really surging prospect and he got completely humiliated. Like, his first submission loss since I think maybe 2009, maybe even earlier. Like, that's crazy. Like, and a, an arm bar submission at that for an, an experienced veteran, veteran like Steven. Oh, well, on the Gamrot side, though, when was the last time we saw a, a beautiful Kimura like that? I love a good Kimura. Well, I, mean, I feel like we've not seen one for ages in the UFC. But the reason we haven't seen them is because people can actually defend them now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that's the issue. Like A veteran like Stevens who's had what? Well, I think he's had more now. I think he's actually had more losses than wins now in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think he set the record on Saturday for most UFC losses. I hope. I, I hope that's yeah. true because if not, I'm just shit on him for no reason. But <laughs> yeah, I think that happened on Saturday. He's like the opposite of Tony uh, Dolceroni, the most winning, the most <laughs> what, the losingest. Yeah, I was going to say, what stupid word would the Americans come up with next? Like, there we go, losingest, most losingest fighter in UFC history. There we go. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the reason he won't get cut is because he's, he's really good mates with Cruz and like elevation and whatever, um, an alliance, but. I'll be honest, I don't think he offers anything. I, I don't, I don't think, think they thing. should cut him. I don't think they should cut him because I think really? you can you can stick Jeremy Stevens against someone like Gamrot, against a prospect on a card that may not be a great card. And people go like people like me will go, oh, Jeremy Stevens, you know, I'll watch that fight. Like obviously Stevens Gamrot, that's the excitement was from both of them there. It wasn't just that it was Stevens because Gamrot's awesome too. But I feel like you, you know, the card week after next that absolutely stinks. If you put Jeremy Stevens on there against a young lightweight, I'd go, oh, that, that's kind of interesting. I'll watch that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think you keep him around for a few more losses and stick him on a on a few poopy cards that need an upgrade. Um the uh the rest of the main card, Rodolfo Vieira looked really well, I was gonna say looked really impressive, but the, the finish was really impressive. His performance was a little weird. You could see he was terrified of gassing out and he just fought behind his jab the whole time. I mean, his jab did look pretty good, but he was clearly so scared to go for a takedown and not get it and then be tired. It reminded me, of, you know, those like combat games where you have like a cardio barrier and you, you, like you, you tot it up by doing different combos and things. Yeah. That was kind of how it felt to me. Like it was just throwing like a couple of punches to just keep the bar ticking over. <laughs> like, I agree. I thought it was very disjointed. Um, I am really hot. I, I think he's great. I really like Vieira again. Arguably, well, sounds weird to say considering he lost in the way that he did, but I would argue one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu grapplers in the UFC. Well, yeah, the finish um, was amazing. Like I don't think people are quite appreciating how difficult 
to take the back standing up for a guy of his size, in, you know, as fluidly as he did. It's so difficult. Class, yeah. and, he made, and he made it look easy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he is incredible, but also there's a clear weakness there. And um, he was clearly worried about it and kind of... Royce, Royce Gracie without the cardio. <laughs> yeah, didn't really fight his fight because of that. Um, someone who did fight his fight was Billy Quarantillo, who we're big fans of on this podcast because all his fights are always crazy. And um, this was one of those rare instances where I think they could have given him performance of the night and um, fight, of the, fight night. of the night. Yeah, they could have given him two bonuses for this. This fight was incredible. Yeah, you know what we love? Claret. We love a lot of claret and there was a lot of claret in this <laughs> fight. It was, it was fantastic. Blood, guts and vinegar. Exactly what you want to see. And a I don't know if it was weird, but like everyone's reaction on social media when the fight was stopped was kind of that was a bit of an odd stop, like odd ending. I didn't really think it was. I didn't really think it was as crazy as like. I mean, some of the headlines from some of the more nefarious sources of MMA media um, <laughs> were calling it like a crazy wild KO, or whatever. I didn't really think it was that. But I think people are just. It's quite rare you see, you know, someone from the back like with his back on the mat finishing the fight with strikes so that i mean that i guess you could say that was quite unique in a way um i, I can't think of another recent example of it happening but i mean he was beating him the fuck up like you know like i say it, he should have got a performance of the night bonus as well as the fight of the night because you know fair play to benitez he was given he was trying to give as much back as he was getting but it, it wasn't happening for him and um yeah billy q's cardio and pressure and pace just absolutely unbelievable. Um, I would I would happily watch him on every card ever for the rest of the time. He's also hella entertaining on the mic. Like, yeah. He just always makes me laugh. I think he's got a really good personality. I agree. What's next? Uh, prelims. Got prelims. Daniel Rodriguez looked really good against Preston Parsons. Yep. Um, called out Bilal Muhammad after. I think that's probably a bit of a reach since Bilal's coming off a win as well and is higher ranked than him. But, um, you know, I, I would like to see D-Rod pushed a little bit now. Like, I feel like he had a hot start and then who did he lose to? He lost a, a decision to... Dolby. Dolby, yeah. Dolby was hitting him with that karate stance and he didn't know what to do. Um, take take notes, Connor. And yeah, I feel like now is the perfect time to actually push D-Rod a little bit. And, you know, he's got over that loss and come back with an emphatic finish and a performance of the night bonus as well, I think he got. And um, yeah, so maybe not Bilal. Can't, probably can't see that one happening. But uh, definitely, you know, someone up around the, like, I don't know, 14 to 20 range in the rankings. Damian Meyer. No, I'm joking. I don't see that fight at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hard one, isn't it? Because it's kind of the problem with welterweight. It's like you think it's top heavy. And then when you look through, like, the rankings, it's like, well, it's top heavy from, like, the top 10 upwards. Like, it, there's a, a, a lot of what, the, what I would like to call filler in between. Um, yeah. I can't really think of anyone that jumps out to me. I mean, bizarrely, I was thinking of Sean Brady, but I think he's like, he's on his own re- path. They're rebooking that with Kevin Lee as well, aren't they? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's the point. Uh, but if Kevin Lee gets I, staff again, then maybe he'll drop out and um, <laughs> we can get D-Rod since uh, he definitely fought Gregor Gillespie with, with staff, but we'll just ignore that. Um, yeah, like I said, I haven't really looked at the rankings of where D-Rod is now. Um, I don't think he's in the top 15, so... Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one. Like you say, there there is kind of a, a lot of um, fluffer between like the top five or six and then the rest. And um, yeah, I would like to see them push him a bit more though. Um, Amanda Limos, by the way, looking insanely good at straw weight. I don't think, and I think they said this on broadcast, I think Bisping said it maybe. I don't think there's anyone else in that division with her power. Like every punch she throws in 
in every fight I've seen of hers is with the intention to shut your lights out and end the night. It's crazy. She's a bad... Well, she brings bad intentions to the cage. Like, you know, I think it was from the... I think it was actually from the face-offs of the ceremonial. Like, the intensity that she brings is kind of... I, I, it was ruined by her manager, Wally Dishmael. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Everyone was hyping that up, being like, oh, he's so funny. Yeah, and uh, like, no, you see Derek Lewis's bro. tweet. He was like, "She yeah. clearly did not say that." Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, didn't Paulo Costa get mad at Walid for for saying stuff that he hadn't actually said? Was that a story I saw at some point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's, 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 yeah, he yeah. definitely takes it way over the top. And I think that kind of took away the vibe because she could have done this amazing like walk off, like drop the mic KO kind of thing. Yeah, I wish they do that more. Like, but he made it silly almost rather than cold yeah, blooded. It, do you know who he reminds me of? Um, oh, who's that comedian? I can't think of his name. He kind of gives me the impression of like an omegiality, like the way he he speaks and his mannerisms. It's yeah. kind of like the the same comedy. Com- like it just came across as like your friendly neighborhood uncle rather than like the like I'm gonna hype you up. This is like the per- like. Do you know what I mean? It, it kind of missed the mark for me. It was a, you say about Anchorman. That's kind of the vibe that I got. It, it wasn't really <laughs> like serious. I don't, I don't think it needed to be serious, but I mean, just we well, just went on an essay, and I just I I muted. I'm, I'll admit I muted it. I was just like, I can't be bothered to listen to like all this spiel because it's just taken away from the fact that she put in a really good performance against a very one-dimensional fighter. Is that the best way of describing it? <laughs> hey, don't don't be talking shit about Montserrat Ruiz. Did you see the look she gave Chris Tonioni afterwards? I tweeted a gif of it on on the Clinch Perfect account. Um, so funny. She looked at him like every MMA fan looks at him every time he's in there. <laughs> like, just fuck you, dude. You suck. Um, <laughs> there was uh, a couple more impressive. Well, I wouldn't say impressive for all of them. Um, Sergey Morozov looked pretty good. Um, got the decision win. Uh, Nascimento bounced back from a terrible first round. He looked awful on the feet in the first round. That was the opening fight, and then um, came back in style. To be fair to him, got the round two KO. And uh, Malcolm Gordon against the younger Figueredo one of the most shitty fights I've ever seen in my life. Um, we'll just uh, we'll just move on to the big news they announced on broadcast, shall we? Um, UFC 266, September. Um, they released the full card, well, the full main card, sorry, on the, on the broadcast. Got Volkanovski Ortega headline. We've got Shevchenko against Lauren Murder. Oh, sorry, Murphy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as the co-main. Got Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz, five-rounder before that. The people's main event. The people's main event, indeed. Curtis Blades and Jarzino Rosenstrike and Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo. Quite the main card there. We've just come off a card which I would argue is one of the greatest cards in UFC history. And for me, that main, well, one of the great, yeah, one of the greatest of the year, anyway. One of the best of the year. Personally speaking, for me, this is way more competitive. I feel like, I mean, barring. Barring the Shevchenko and and Murphy fight, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Laura Murphy, it's just, no disrespect, it's just not competitive. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say they're, like, very competitive. Like, Cynthia Cavillo versus Jessica Andrade, I feel like he's going to, again, be overlooked. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a brilliant fight on paper, stylistically. Cavillo was... Well, yeah, they're two of the most exciting fighters of the division, so put them in there together, it's going to be fireworks. Uh, The one, I mean, we've mentioned this before, I'm quite keen on this fight. Like, if... If Jairzino and Rosenstroik can go to ATT and just bust his balls working on takedown defense for like the next six weeks, like that has the makings of a a coming out party for Jairzino and Rosenstroik. It's probably the best way of describing that. I think I think 
unfortunately for Curtis Blades, I'm not going to say the word. We banned it from this week's podcast, but he does have chin issues. Um, I think he's got a bit of I thought the word you were thinking of was Bellator, not chinny. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that applies as well. (laughs) I I thought it was was beginning with a B. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I mean, the same thing applies, right? But yeah, I think I think unfortunately for Blades, unless he takes them down, it's lights out. Like <laughs> I, I, I think two, well, three insanely bad, well, two insanely bad KOs, one from Ngannou, one from Derek Lewis. That's not going to do your long-term health any good whatsoever. So yeah, it's a, I don't know. I kind of see it differently. To be honest, I I can easily see blades winning at 25 25 minutes of 25 minutes of this fight oh sorry 15 it's not what but, I'm but about. Against, i can easily against... see him winning all 15 minutes just laying on top of him and i don't know why but i just get the feeling rosenstrike <laughs> this is gonna sound so like unnecessarily um mean but i just don't get the feeling he'll try to improve his takedown <laughs> defense it's the stupidest logic ever because obviously he will but there's just something so like chill and like languid about him that He's i just don't get the back, sense yeah. he'll actually be like busting his balls as you say to and obviously he will obviously he will and i'm chatting absolute shit but i don't know i i want rosenstrike to win and i can yeah i have a you know deep-rooted fear that this is just going to be a boring blades decision and ruin ruin the main card but rosenstrike doesn't need 15 minutes to knock you out yeah one moment damage you like we saw that with the ream fight right which everyone says premature one premature look at his lip like all he has to do is let. I mean, we said we said this against we said this against Garn, but Garn is a completely different fighter. Like, literally, all he has to do against Blades is touch him with a jab, or maybe not a jab. But well, <laughs> I mean, he's done that before. He's not yeah. about like the precedent set. But yeah, I, I think I think it's a dangerous fight for both. Again, like Rosenstrike's just rebuilt himself. Blades is in the process of rebuilding himself. Like this will be his first fight back since that devastating KO. The, I mean, where does the loser go from here? That's the real question. I mean, again, Bellator? Or it's really hard to see the loser of this fight fighting for the title anytime soon. I think that's or the ever. problem. Yeah. Or ever, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, make or break for both. There's also rumours that Dan Hook is going to be on this card. I think he said something on some interview or podcast. And um, I think we both suspect that'll probably be Tony Ferguson, right? Yeah, I think that's the logical. Again, we were talking about before the podcast, and we just think it's the the most sensible option. I, I think it's the most sensible option for both because you can't put Tony in there with another wrestler because they're just going to do exactly what like yeah. someone like a Darius and um, well, an Oliveira did to him, and just wrestle him and ragdoll him for three rounds. Like, I think you can... <laughs> while they may have had their issues, I don't think Dana can quite do that to Ferguson again. <laughs> Um, he might he might but no i think it like you say it does make sense for both because for both of them it's not it's not an unwinnable fight it's you know it's a very competitive fight and for both of them if they win it's enough of a name and enough of a you know status in that division to beat to put them back where they want to be or you know near where they want to be whereas at the moment they're both falling far away from that um should we get should we go through a bit of news before we go on to the uh the tj and sanhagen card yeah, let's go for it. Well, well you we said you've been talking to Anderson Silva. Please oh, tell me yes. he, he revealed, he gave you the, the scoop about whether he's fighting Logan Paul or not because I'm hearing some noise about that. Well, he kept he kept very mum. His manager didn't. Um, seemingly confirming exactly what Logan Paul's manager himself had been saying. I'm 
I don't know how I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, part of me is like, oh, it's brilliant. He's going to get like two million for beating up Logan Paul for yeah, twelve rounds or whatever. I am from what I understood, I think it will be an exhibition because I don't think Logan Paul would risk going in there with a guy who's just beaten a former world champion convincingly. I don't care about that split decision. He beat him quite comfortably. Who's also much younger Mexico. than him. Yeah. Like, that's a big risk. For a guy who's 0-1 and lost to a guy through a handbag <laughs> game. KSI. Yeah, who literally threw <laughs> handbags at him for, yeah. what, 12 rounds? Like, or however many rounds it was. Like, Yeah. But I'm delighted for Silver because he's, he's getting the payday. That's, that's what I said. I... When I saw the news, I was like, fuck yeah, like, get to go in there, beat up Logan Paul, something we all want to see, no offense, and um, make it make a shitload of money doing I, it. So I did ask I him. Delighted actually, I delighted for it. I said, how much would, like, if we had to crowdfund, I said, how much would we have to pay you to veto bail for him? And he, he was like, <laughs> he was like, well, I'll have a think about it, kind of. I reckon if we, if we club together, easy 10 million. If everyone donates a dollar or Well, whatever, we just need we to can... all get punched in the nuts by Francis and Ghani, put that money towards it, and then uh, and then we can get that done. We need to get Darren Till on this. We need to get Darren Till doing like a crowdfunder, being like, right, okay. If everyone donates a dollar and we get him to 10 million, Anderson Silver will Vitor Belfort. <laughs> Logan, I'm just going to call it Vitor Belfort because I feel like that's the best way of describing it, but everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> some uh, some other news. Obviously, there's been plenty of noise made in the uh, in the welterweight division. Guys drawing at each other. Um, Nate Diaz has been tweeting some weird shit, basically implying that he's fighting Usman, which is obviously ridiculous. If that happens, um, I'm gonna fly to Vegas and slap Dana on his head myself. Um, Gilbert Burns has also been trying to rile Nate into a fight with him. So maybe that's a more realistic one because it kind of works for both. If either one of them wins that, they're close-ish <laughs> to a title shot. Um, but I can't see Nate winning that fight anyway. So um, yeah, they've just been all, all of them really just going back and forth with each other. Obviously there's the stuff, but you know, Gilbert's been calling out Leon as well. And I think Leon Masvidal, I'm, I'm pretty sure is the fight I want. And um, that makes sense as well. But God, it, I, I just, can they just get this division matched up so we can stop talking about it? I'm in the same boat. I I, I think I might be a person who literally doesn't want to see Nate fight. Like, I mean, I, I quite like to see the Usman fight purely because, again, <laughs> nice little payday for Usman. But like, I think the trouble, like the trouble with Burns is he's not a name. Maybe a great fighter. Well, yeah, and he just put on the most boring performance of his career on the card where the most casuals were watching. So, which that's Dana not, was royally cheesed off. Yeah, about. that's not going to help him at all. And like the trouble with the Diaz, I mean, Diaz can literally sell any fight. doesn't matter who you put him in there with. People will tune in. Yeah. But unless it's a, I mean, I guess you could make the same argument about Leon, right? Like Leon wasn't necessarily a name, but the whole circumstance, like the, the Masvidal beef and everything, I think that's the trouble. Like Burns, other than being starched by Usman, doesn't really have like, any history or or, mm-hmm. or needle? I, I like calling out Nate's great, but I don't really think like a main like would that be a co-main. I mean, it would be a co-main because it's Nate, but it's a tough fight to sell because again, Diaz can just talk himself into a title fight whenever he feels like it. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really we know the rankings don't matter. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, yeah, it's, it's it's a weird the welterweight division as we were saying earlier. It's just it's such a weird place, like. 
You've got Kobe saying he's fighting for the title next. You've got Leon saying he's fighting for the title next. You've got Masvidal sitting out and not really doing anything. It's like, well, as you say, just book the fights. Just get, get, get on with it. Give, give us exactly. Masvidal versus Leon. Just give, give us Sean Brady. Give us Sean Brady versus Kamara Usman. That's literally all I care about. <laughs> There's some way down the line, that mate. But hey, it could give happen. us Ian Gary versus Kamara. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, the Dillashaw and Sanhagen card. A um, couple of interesting prelims that I did want to talk about. Um, Mickey Gall is back. He's kind of a draw, I guess. He's fighting Jordan Williams, who got that <laughs> Mickey, impressive win. On... Mickey Gall is a draw. Where is well, yeah, because pe- people who know CM Punk know Mickey Gall, and a lot of people know CM Punk, so it makes sense. He's a draw for beating up bum wrestler. Nice. Well, he's a draw for people who watch WWE, isn't he? They'll be like, oh, that guy who beat CM Punk's fighting. I'm still convinced that a lot of people don't even remember, like, don't even realize that CM Punk fought in the UFC. Because again, I was having this conversation with like a WWE writer, and he was like, "Yeah, a lot of our fans are like, oh, we didn't realize he like he crossed over and and lost two fights because WWE sucks an unimaginable amount of balls." Um, <laughs> all right, mate. I t- okay, I take it back. I take it back. Not a, not a draw at all. Not even zero percent. I was thinking like one percent. I was thinking like tiny, but. Don't worry about it. We'll move on. <laughs> He's fighting uh, Jordan Williams. Um, obviously, you know, striker against submission expert, classic matchup. Um, bit of an interesting one. And um, I don't know. I don't think Williams looked, I know he'd lost, so it kind of goes without saying, but he didn't look too great in his last fight and in his debut fight. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very winnable fight for Mickey Gall. I mean, I, I don't really see it going in the distance. I'll be honest. <laughs> Don't don't know what leads me to believe that, but <laughs> what about what about the betting meister? What do you think? Do you think do you think uh, uh, inside the distance is worth a, a little punt? Well, I'm not going to bet on a Mickey Gall fight, but I am going to have some bets on this card because I realised <laughs> that I've got in our tw- in our Clinch Perfect Twitter bio, I've got bet as I said, have a line in there about us having betting predictions for for each fight week, and in our Spotify bio, I say something about us having, you know being betting degenerates, and I never actually give any legit official betting tips on this podcast, so it's not going to be on a Mickey Gall fight, but I have got a couple for this card. This is a monument. It's taken us twenty episodes to get a betting tip on this podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> no, there's we, been a we few, need to get a sp- It'll be a sponsor next. They've just been mentioned in passing. They've just been like, "Oh yeah, I think this guy's gonna win. I'm gonna bet on it." <laughs> Whereas, uh, no, today I've today I've got legit picks. So, um, yeah, next fight is uh, Ian Heinish against. Um, I'm not even gonna try and say his first name. Imovov. Um, I'm still pissed about Imovov getting robbed against Phil Hawes. Uh, he showed terrible fight IQ in that that fight as well. He lost his last fight despite having Hawes rocked several times in the third round. Like Hawes was basically knocked out on his feet almost, and uh, and Imovov went for a takedown, which is the most baffling thing I've ever seen. But um, he's fighting Ian Heinish coming off that loss to Gastelum. Um, yeah, pretty interesting matchup there. I mean, quite a good fight for like I say, just prelims on a, on a fight night. This is quite a tasty card under the radar. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Ian Heinish is kind of. Is 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 the nearly not quite there fighter? It's probably the best way of describing it. I think he's got great attributes, like looks a beast and hits hard, but he can't quite piece it together against Gaslam. We look very out of his depth, mm-hmm. and I, I think we haven't really seen enough of him involved to suggest that he can beat him. But I I, I think it all depends on which Ian Heinish steps inside the octagon. If it's the Ian Heinish who is confident and has belief in himself, then. I would lean towards Heinish. Yep. But considering what Imavov did on occasion to Halls, it kind of seems like, I don't know, I'm kind of leaning towards it. Bizarrely, I'm leaning towards Imavov because I think if he, 
if he puts together like anyone who puts together a concrete a concrete game plan against Heinish kind of ends up winning. Yeah. And I know Imovov's kind of showed like terrible fight IQ previously, but I don't know, it's just a cut feeling. But I, I, I think it's fine. I, I agree though, I think it is fine under the radar. I think it's like potentially a fight of the night because both guys are just kind of crazy. <laughs> got, yeah, Imovov's quite an awkward bit. fight. It was kind of got like a gangly kind of you know in and out style. It's a bit weird and uh, and very well rounded as well. Um not so well rounded. We've got Puna Soriano against Brendan Allen. We, this, I mean, this is legit. The classic, you know, knockout power versus submission expert um, matchup. And I do, I do have a bet for this one. And I've seen a lot of people picking Soriano, and I've seen a lot of people picking Allen. It's a very even 50-50 fight. But what I don't get with the people picking Soriano is why they're just picking him like to win straight up when you can get quadruple the odds on picking him round one. Um, he's won six of his eight, I think, in round one. Six of his eight wins. He's eight and zero. Have been round one. We've seen Brendan Allen is very chinny. He got wobbled a few times in the Roberson fight before he got the submission win. He got absolutely smoked by Sean Strickland. And, you know, Strickland's on a knockout power guy. He's kind of a concussive, you know, rack him up over the 15 minutes kind of power guy. So, um, yeah, I think if, you, if you're picking Soriano to win this fight, you'd be foolish not to pick round one, like three to one, I think it is. And, um, you know, round one KOs four to one. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my first official betting pick for the Clinch Perfect podcast, mate. Is uh, Puna Soriano round one? There you go. He, there's something about Soriano that kind of makes me think he could be a champion. Like I, 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 I don't know if it's like the. I worry about his gas tank. Like part of the reason I'm yeah. picking round one is I think if this fight that I think that's like 75 percent his path to victory in this fight. If this fight goes out of round one, I'm almost immediately favoring Allen because I think if it goes out of round one, that means. Alan spent five minutes not getting caught by any of those bombs. He spent five, he's probably been, you know, hugging him and clinching him and maybe got him down a couple of times and made him get back up. And those gigantic fast twitch muscles on Soriano are probably starting to gas. Um, yeah, I do worry a little bit about his gas tank, which is why, like I say, if you're, if you're picking Soriano in this fight, you might as well just bet round one and get quadruple the odds. Has he ever gone the distance? Um, I don't think so. I think he's eight and zero with like six KOs and two submissions, or maybe five and three or something like that. I was gonna say because that'd be the yeah. I, I'm just kind of I, I, I think your corner helps as well. And like Eric, he'll have Eric Nixick in his corner and mm-hmm. potentially Randy Couture's son. So yeah, it's interesting. It's a tough one as well because it is literally like again, I have this pet peeve with like prospect pairing. Which um, the, the I feel like the UFC are kind of just like throwing it in my face because there's quite a few of that on on this card. But <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Soriano. Again, like I got it completely wrong with the Tadar Rich fight. I was backing Dusko all the way, and then he completely. Well, we were him. big Dusko believers before he got absolutely <laughs> destroyed by Soriano. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, Soriano just has that that genuine like put your lights out with one touch, like kind of like Rosenstrike we were talking about earlier. Um, He's probably got the most power in the division, I'd say, even. So, um, yeah, against a guy like Alan, who we have seen. I know you said you banned the word this week, but I'm saying it anyway. He is chinny. Um, and I do like Brendan Allen, but he is. Uh, yeah, I just... There's five minutes in that first round. Soriano's going to be throwing bombs. And if one of them if one of them catches him, it's good night. He's, he, again, against Todorovic, who is a, a great striker. He showed an ability to close distance and establish range mm-hmm. with such ease. Um, Alan's striking, from what I've seen anyway, isn't that great? Like it's rudimental. It's not necessarily polished or or well rounded, rounded at the edges. And I think the longer it stays standing, for me, it plays right into Soriano's hands. I just, I, I, I just 
unfortunately, I, for Alan, I, I just see a, a, a KO and early. That would be that'd be my assumption. Yeah, and and like I said, if it, if it does go out the first, out the first five minutes, I would probably start favoring towards Alan. Like well, as soon as we get to that second round, and definitely we get to the third, you've got to think that probably means he's been weighing him down, you know, making him carry his weight, and and yeah, trying to gas those muscles out. So um, yeah, we're, I think we're both in agreement there. Sorry, on round one. Um, Speaking of main card, is this the people's main event of the main card? I, this I, is the I, people's I main event of the fucking year. <laughs> Adrian Yanez against Randy Costa. This is gonna. I mean. You just said you don't like it when they pair prospects up against each other, but I can forgive them for this. This is an an insane striker's delight of a fight. Eight what four fourteen KOs between them? Yeah, like, uh, Costa's six of one, all six wins are by KO, and uh, and Yanez has eight KOs to him to his own name as well. And they're both very likable personalities. I mean, I had the pleasure of being kind of earwigging on a on a press conference call when they were both just chatting to each other and like. Clearly a lot of respect between the two, but they also are prepared to throw absolute bombs at each other for three three rounds. Like, I'm so excited for this fight. And I'll tell you something else. The way the bantamweight division is kind of bubbling, this is just another welcome addition to that paella of a division. It's just, oh, I, I'm, I'm, my mouth is actually watering at this fight because I, I just Well, mine is now because be... you just said paella and I fucking love paella. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean... I don't have a prediction for this fight. I don't have a betting pick. This It's too good. It's just, just enjoy the fight. Just sit back, enjoy it, have a drink. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it next week because like I said, I really, I can't pick either way. They're just both such likable guys. They're both such insanely talented strikers. They both have an insane head kick knockout in, in, on their UFC resume, despite being very early in their careers. And uh, yeah, what a way to open the main card. Um, I guess one prospect pairing to another. Like, is Macy Barber uh, still a prospect? <laughs> I know she's still really young, but her uh, youngest champion since uh, you know younger than John Jones has died a horrible death. The window, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, this I think this is a really difficult matchup for her. Um, Miranda Maverick is an absolute beast, and I think she's good at all the things. Macy, you know, doesn't want to be fighting against, competing against. If you know what I mean, like she won't. Macy won't be able to just impose her will, which is when she's at her best. And um, yeah, I think this is really weird. I, I went back actually and watched Macy's fight against um, against Roxy, against Monoferi the other day. And for some reason in my brain, I don't know whether I'd seen things on social media talking about it, but I had it in my mind that she was winning that fight and then the injury happened, you know, freak injury. And then she got dominant. She was losing that fight. She was losing that fight to, to Monoferi before the injury. And the injury just, you know, made it even 10 times worse. So I don't know. I think this is really difficult for Macy Barber. You know, I think there's, you know, like I said, there's things that she's really good at. Miranda Maverick is even better at. So I don't really see a path to victory for, for her here. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think my biggest problem, I think the biggest problem for Macy is that Miranda's kind of, it sounds crazy, but like, I, I think there's quite a lot of comparisons with Tatiana Suarez. Like the, the sheer output and volume of her wrestling is just, and the way she changed everything together, it's kind of like a hybrid between Suarez and Ronda Rousey is probably the best way to describe it. Like, mm-hmm. Clearly relies on her wrestling and also her sheer strength. Like she's very, very strong. Like you sure I can't remember the name, but she completely ragdolled a previous opponent. And like, I'll never forgive what she did to Liana Jojua. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's never getting forgotten. But I, and I think I wouldn't say Macy is particularly big for the, the weight class either. 
And I do fear that, I mean, she's been training at Team Alpha Male, who are great wrestlers themselves and great submission art artists. But I think, unfortunately, Macy's on the downward slide and Miranda's on the up. And it sounds I'm weird to say when Macy's so young yeah. as well, doesn't it? But it, it's true. <laughs> I, I'm kind of leaning towards them, like some brute and ground and pound from Miranda Maverick, maybe in the second round. That's like that, that's my inkling. I think she'll completely obliterate her in the first round and then put her away in the second. But I, I think ultimately she'll have just too much in the gas tank. Yeah, I, I don't know whether she'll get the finish, but I definitely agree. This is um, this fight heavily favors um, Miranda. Um, next fight is Darren Elkins and Derek Minner. Um, Minner has looked so much better since he went to James Krause. I mean, incredible, like incredible improvement in his you know all round game rather than just being you know a guillotine expert. Um, but I have I have another betting pick here, and this one's my uh, my Dgen pick of the night. I say on our on our Spotify bio that there's a degenerate gambler in this podcast, so here's your <laughs> degenerate pick of the night, and it is Darren Elkins round three. Um, Minner wins nearly all of his wins by round one submission. He's not, I'm not saying he's, you know, got a bad gas tank, but he does, you know, kind of throw the kitchen sink in the first round and then steadily decline throughout the fight. And then you've got Elkins, who, you know, is as experienced and as savvy as they come. I think this weekend, actually, he'll pass Max Holloway as having the most featherweight fights in UFC history. Like this guy has been in there, done it, seen it all with, you know, nearly everyone there is. And, you know, he's never been top of the mountain, but he's an experienced and savvy guy, like I say. And, there's one thing we know about Darren Elkins. There's going to be blood because of all that scar tissue. And he's, that's not going to stop him coming forward. You know, he's just an absolute savage who will keep going and keep going for the finish. So the way I see this fight playing out is Minna having a strong first round, maybe even winning the second round as well. And um, and putting Elkins in a situation where he needs a finish in the third round, or at least definitely needs to win the third round to get a win. And um, I can see him maybe getting a finish there because like I said, he is a savage and, uh, and he never stops coming forward. So yeah, I think you can get like 15 to one on that. There's your, uh, your D-Gen pick of the episode, Darren Elkins round three. Can you just explain to me the word D-Gen? Like, uh, like where, where does the rationale, I don't know why I'm asking, where does the rationale come from? I've seen it used a lot on, uh, on MMA betting more than any other sport. Cause like people say like D-Gen parlays when they put like five different ridiculous prop picks together. Um, so yeah, I think it's just when you're not just using logic, you're just fucking throwing everything out the window and just picking I'm some random this is long part of your shit. whole Bitcoin conspiracy theory stuff. <laughs> All that jazz from 4chan or whatever. I'm sure that's go on, then, mate. Tell me, tell me how terrible my prediction is. What? How do you see this fight go? As as the non-gambler on this podcast, as the uh, the MMA purist. How do you see this I completely agree with you. Oh, think, there you I go. There you go. So the, the degenerate gambler and the uh, the purist agree. I, I think Derek Miller is just a bit too... Like, he, he's improved, but I don't think he's, like, very good. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds pretty harsh. <laughs> it sounds harsh, but... Yeah. Uh, like, sturdy veteran, but doesn't really offer much. And I think Darren Elkins is... It's kind of weird, because they're both kind of the same. Like, they don't... Darren Elkins, like... Is great at taking punches to the face, but then like output until his last win isn't necessarily been great. Like I think if Darren Elkins throws and, and dominates the pace of the fight, then obviously he wins. I, I think that's why I think I think he'll, he'll ultimately just have too much in his locker. Um, what have we got? Oh, we've got my my. I think he was my twenty twenty prospect of the year, Kyler Phillips versus 
not even going to attempt to pronounce the first name, but Paiva. Is that it? <laughs> Rallyon Paiva. Paiva. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, uh, can I can I surprise you? Mm-hmm. I've Go got another it. bet here, and uh, it's not on Kyle Phillips. And let me explain my logic. I think if you if you held a gun to my head and said who's going to win this fight, I'd probably just about lean Phillips. But the odds are ridiculous. Piver's two to one. I mean, this guy is twenty and three. He's looked so much better since he moved up to one thirty five. I'll let you t- I'll let you hype up Kyle Phillips in a minute. But just let me explain my reasoning. Um, I could see it in your eyes that you want to talk about Kyle Phillips. Um, yeah, Piver's twenty and three. He's looked amazing since he moved up to one thirty five. Like one twenty five was obviously just too much weight Dude. for him to cut. And um, yeah, he's well-rounded. He's got a good chin. And like I say, he's two to one. I think that's a massive, it, it tends to happen a lot where you get a good prospect like Phillips, you get a massive overreaction, the odds after they win. And he was an underdog against Song Yudong. He wins that fight and now he's a, a like a one to three favorite. Like, I'm sorry, that's just too much. So I'm gonna have a little dabble on Piver here, but go on, tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> I was about to say, I think he's the second coming of Sean O'Malley and realized that's like the worst comparison I could have made. I don't mean it either. I was, it was, it, it, it's a joke. Calm down. <laughs> I can hear you in the comment section. It's, it, it's a joke. I think I've been really high on him even before the Song Long fight. I think he knocked out Cameron Else. And yeah, again, big fan of Cameron Else, but it's the way he, his attacks are so unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Like everything is just spinning and like he's literally just a whirlwind of different attacks. I think that unpredictability, I mean, he's, he's so, he's amazing to watch. Like if you ever watch Kyler Phillips fight, you will be entertained because the guy just brings it. He also has a serious pop in his hands. I think, I think his performance against Song Yudong. I mean, I, I saw some people thinking that Song Yudong won that fight. I don't know what they were watching, but like, I think he kind of showed there's levels, and I, I think, I think Paiva has looked great, but I'm not sure he'll have enough to deal with the unpredictability that yeah. Phillips brings. Like it's a whole different kettle of fish when you're standing there with someone and you don't know what they're going to throw at you. It's kind of like, I feel like the best comparison is actually kind of like a Tony, like a, a young Tony Ferguson, a, a bantamweight version of Tony Ferguson when he just won tough. It's kind of the best analogy I can make because everything is just spinning. It's a perpetual blur of motion. Yeah. Um, I may say that he might go and end up getting knocked out in the first round. Who knows? But, <laughs> well, here's hoping, mate, because like I say, I, I can't resist. I can't resist putting... You got a twenty and three guy there against a prospect who's getting massive hype off his last win. I just think the odds are an overreaction. I can't resist it a bet on Piver. As as a man who likes suits, did you see his suit at the press conference? Oh mate, he has the absolute men, like most mental clothes I've ever seen. That um, some of the stuff I've seen come up on Instagram and Twitter and Kyla, of Kyler Phillips. I couldn't rock it, but he somehow <laughs> looks good in it. <laughs> I saw I saw some Twitter fan call him like the Kanye West of, of MMA. A little like, bit too far, maybe. Yeah, but... yeah, a little bit too far, but yeah. Uh, stylish I'm, guy, uh, stylish guy. I'm really excited. Again, really excited for this fight. The bantamweight is kind of popping. Like, I'm, I'm speaking to Jack Shaw over the weekend. I'm sure he'll be talking about this fight. Like, there's so many exciting fighters in the bantamweight division. And if, if Kyler Phillips wins... Again, the train keeps on going towards the title picture. Like, it, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. But it's a dangerous fight, as you say, because Piva, he has lots of different tools and he may not be as flashy or as flary, but 
he also poses a problem. Yeah, I think it's a good litmus test for Phillips. If he wins this, then like, yeah, okay, he's 100% legit because that's, you know, multiple good fighters now he's taken out. Um, Aspen Lad, Macy Kiasson is the uh, is the co-main. I think I'm if Aspen Lad is healthy, I think I'd lean super heavily on her in this fight and think she's, you know, got it in the bag. But coming off a torn MCL and ACL, you know, for someone who's wrestle heavy as well, like who knows what she's going to look like in this. Am I right? I think I'm right in saying that Aspen Lad's mum has an OnlyFans account. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know about that, mate. But yes, yeah, she does, and it's it's a little crazy. <laughs> she doesn't hold <laughs> <Yes>. back. <laughs> Too much information for me, my friend. But either way, it's it's a yeah. Aspen Lad's at a weird stage in her career. Like I feel like that Ross, Ross, that loss completely derailed any momentum that she had. Like, yeah. Not necessarily the way that she lost, but like the injury and like everything else. It's kind of it's been a bit stagnant. And then you've got Macy Kiesen. It's almost like she's kind of been forgotten about a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Despite how good she is, like no disrespect, but yeah, it's just like being in the background. And then you've got Macy Kiesen, who I don't really understand. Like I think I saw like UFC Europe always trying to build this fight and like they're, they're pushing out all this content and stuff. But I, I'm not convinced that she's like as great as everyone thinks she is. I don't know what your thoughts. She's just ginormous for the weight class. <laughs> like she just looks twice as big as anyone she's in there with. So, um, you know, there's she's going to beat a lot of people in that division. Whether she's going to beat Aspen Ladd, I don't know. But she she can bully a lot of people in that division purely with reach and um, and a jab, basically. But then, like, I mean, she only went, well. I mean, she's got two. Two TKO wins over Gina Mazzani and Samaras. Like, and then look at who she's beaten: Marino by by decision, Shaney Young. She lost to Lena Landsberg. Like, oh, she beat Panicky on that. Like, okay, fair enough. That was a tough. Thing. She won. Obviously, she won tough, didn't she? That's the thing. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not convinced. I just don't think she's. I don't think she's the second coming of Nunes or anything like that. So I, I feel like if I, 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 it's a tough one because it depends which Aspen lad steps in that steps in that Like if she's fully recovered and she's like switched on, I would lean towards mm-hmm. Aspen lad. Yeah, but I think like yes, and boring decision kind of <laughs> swayed me. Yeah, I think I I think I, I have to lean Aspen lad pretty heavily here, unless unless she's got you know some after effects of, the, of those injuries, which is possible, like I say, especially for someone who wants to who wants to bring the fight down. Um, yeah, I think Aspen Lad will win this pretty comfortably. Uh, on to the main event, Corey Sandhagen, TJ Dillashaw. I know everyone wants to see TJ Dillashaw get slept, but um, I'm going to bet on him, just throwing that out there. I'm betting on TJ Dillashaw. You can't stop me. <laughs> I, I sadly don't think you'd be a fool not to. Like... Uh, well, I think you'd be a fool not to. Sorry, I think. Again, I just think it's it's the it's the matter of the odds. Like if you gave me 50-50 odds on both, I'd be pretty. It'd be pretty difficult for me to decide. But when you make Dillashaw a huge underdog against someone who, for all Sandhagen's traits, doesn't defend takedowns very well, and Dillashaw looks huge, for, by the way. So um, I don't know. I just think as long as he doesn't gas and you know the without the EPO. I can see him just winning a wrestle-heavy decision here. I wonder 
if well, I mean, again, Sandhagen's footwork is very cruise like. Um, I, that's that's my gut feeling. My gut feeling is if Sandhagen keeps it standing and toys with Dillashaw, he will walk a, de- a decision quite comfortably. Oh, if it if it stays on the feet, I'd be a hundred percent Sandhagen. If this was like a you know no takedowns allowed, I, I'd literally put every penny I own on Sandhagen. I love but his striking. What, what you've just said there about the takedowns. I mean, again, I've seen all these crazy comparisons between Sandhagen and Cruz. And I feel like it's such a disservice to Cruz because everyone forgets how good he is at defending takedowns. Yeah. And against Dillashaw in their fight, I mean, like, they, even against like DJ, like, his footwork got him out of danger. But also, he just, like, he's really hard to take down. Like, he just springs up. And like, you saw that against Casey Kenny. Could barely get a glove on him. Like, I think Sandhagen's unorthodox. And I think. He does have that like element of the unpredictable about him. Like, I mean, you saw that with his crazy flying knee finish of Frankie yeah. Edgar. Um, or the shadow of Frankie Edgar, sorry. But it, it just... I, I, do you know what? I'm going to go out there. This, is, this may sound crazy. I think Sandhagen finishes him. I hope you're right. And I'm not just saying I that. I hope you're I'm, right. And, and that's from somebody who will have money on DJ. <laughs> this, is, this is my logic, mate. You put money on Dillashaw and if Dillashaw wins, you're delighted. And if he doesn't win, you're like, yeah, fuck you, TJ. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a win-win situation. I, just, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just... I just, I just really fancy Santiago to put him... And it's not because I want him to. I mean, I, part of me, obviously, because the PEDs and everything, but like, and I, how can you not? But it, it, I just... I. Just got a, you just got a feeling, mate. I can, t- I can t- two years out was a long time. Yeah, that's a long time out of the like we, we've seen. Like people say that cage rust isn't a thing. It hundred percent is a thing. It's a it's a thing. You, if you if you're not doing something repeatedly and you're not training as intensely as you would for a fight, yes, Sandhagen lost to to Sterling, but I kind of feel like he overlooked Sterling in that fight and didn't take him as seriously because he thought he'd just walk through him. Don't think you'll make the same mistake with Dillashaw. And the fact that they're training part they were training partners as well at um Muscle Farm, that to me adds this like whole new layer. Cause it's like, okay, throwback what four or five years ago, twenty I think it was 27, 20, 2016 when they were training. At that stage in their career, Dillashaw was arguably at the peak of his powers. Like mm-hmm. he was just on the cusp of becoming champion and whatever. On the flip side, you had like Sandhagen, the young gun. And in a weird kind of way, it, it, it's still the same because a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, make, uh, I had this actually, I had a comment on my article being like, oh, Dillashaw's like the greatest bantamweight of all time. He's not. It's Dominic Cruz. Like, I, don't even, I don't even want to have this conversation. But <laughs> EPO or not, he is still a very good fighter. And if he can piece it all together and show a flash of his former self, it may be a very tough night for Sandhagen. But because we haven't seen him in the Octagon for two years, rationally speaking, I can't then lean towards Dillashaw just because I can't see. I haven't seen. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to really call it because we literally it's kind of like with Aspen Lad. We don't actually know what they're going to look like when they're coming back from a long layoff. But um, yeah, I I I just got a. I just got an inkling that Dillashaw just going to wrestle fuck him to a decision. Um, like I said, Sanhagen only having 30% takedown defense is quite a small sample size because I think a lot of his fights have not even been any takedown attempts. But um, 
it is worrying to me when, you know, Dillashaw looks as big as 155ers in some of the photos I've seen him training. So, like, if he can get him down, he's probably going to keep him down as as um, scrambly as Sanhagen is on the mat. So, um, yeah, I'd say my official prediction is uh, may, possibly a boring decision win, but a decision win for, uh, for TJ. I wonder what the height disparity will look like. Because Sandhagen's quite a tall man to me. Yeah. And TJ's a titch. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, I've seen pictures of him next to Cub Swanson this week and and even next to some 155ers, and he looks like a fucking giant. So um, whether he's going to gas is a different issue, obviously. If uh, if he's going to gas without the EPO, then my <laughs> prediction's out the window. Yeah. You know it'd be really hilarious? It'd be <laughs> like TRT Belfort. <laughs> like when he, if he comes back and he just, like first round he just blows everything <laughs> yeah I think we'd all enjoy that but yeah it's, it's a weird I found this fight week very weird like the build up and everything because they're kind yeah. of trying to build it as like this like heroic comeback it's like, like the, the Greg Hardy thing isn't it they're, like, they're trying yeah. way too hard to make it like this epic redemption story when it's like no he was rightfully punished for being a dick for so, sticking the needle up his bum repeatedly yeah. to cut weight like <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I'll tell you what though, it's a great card for a little scrap. Like I, I'm really excited by it. next week's card, not so much. We actually we have an idea for next week, don't we? Do you want do you want to tell everyone what we've got planned? Well, yeah, we're we're going to revisit our uh, 2021 predictions rather than talk about next week's absolute shambles. <laughs> I refuse to sit here and spend half an hour previewing a card where Cheyenne Bays is the third fight on the main card. I'm just not going to do it. So we're going to talk go. about I'm, our. Uh, I'm muting my mic for the next five minutes, folks. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going off on one. I'm. I'm done, mate. I'm. Uh, I'm cueing the, the outro music, and that, that's it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> we're wrapping it up, right? Yeah, I just. Yeah. Anyway, at least we've got the at least we've got the review show to do. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it would be a very very short week. <laughs> it would indeed, yeah. Um, but some good fights this weekend, and uh, we'll hopefully be back next week. Speak next week. Bye.